It's time for episode 155 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, September 21st, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise. This is episode 155. That's 1001-1011 in binary. Hey, computers. I'm Jason wow. Snell, your co-host. Across the internet from me, my co-host, Mr. Dan Warren. Hi, Dan. I, I have no way of verifying whether or not that number was correct. You could have just given a string of ones and zeros as far as I know. Oh, I did, in fact. But mm-hmm. they were the right ones, mm-hmm. I, I assure you. And the right zeros. <laughs> so you say. This is Clockwise, where we talk about four technology topics in 30 minutes. We're always joined by two wonderful guests. To my left, it is the co-host of Mac Power Users on this very Relay FM network, it's Katie Floyd. Welcome back. Hey, I want to be on episode 11001001. I know for Star Trek reasons, right? I, I know Absolutely. we need to do that. We totally need to do that. Nerds. No. You're, you're scheduled. Man. We'll get all Star Trek nerds on, on that episode. And we'll speak Excellent. in the binary language of the alien race, the binars. Uh, and to my left, our second guest, the co-host of Analog here on Relay FM and the Accidental Tech Podcast, it's Mr. Casey Liss. Hi, Casey. Hello. How are you guys? We're we're doing pretty well, I think. Yeah, I have a I have no sufficiently nerdy way to like or a quippy way to introduce myself. So I guess we should just move on. I'm already failing at this show. Oh, I I spoke in binary. You co-host a podcast called Analog. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for saving my bacon. Okay, that's good. Binary bacon. All right, uh, four topics, thirty minutes. Like I said, so I should probably get a, get this show started. Um, here's the first topic. Uh, this week I reviewed macOS Sierra, which, uh, among other features, lets you autosave all of your documents in the cloud, or, or at least all the ones in your documents and desktop folders, and has an extra feature that, if you turn it on, will occasionally delete things off your hard drive to fr- free up space because they're saved in the cloud and you can get them back if you need them. Now, I had a very bad experience with this. It deleted project files from a, a, an audio project I was working on while I was working on it voices just started disappearing. Uh, That was not so good. But this is a trend in cloud storage and local devices. Dropbox is planning a very similar feature with Project Infinite. So my question to all of you is, is there anything that that it will take what what will it take for you to trust your computer to just go ahead and delete some of your files occasionally and cache them in the cloud is that something that you can envision uh, ever being comfortable with katie no <laughs> sure, 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 sure. question answered Asked moving on i'll tell you why <laughs> certainly not apple because I, I don't really want to pile on here but they really haven't had the best track record when it's come to their iCloud stuff. So I am staying far away from this. I am not turning it on. I don't recommend that you turn it on. And I don't know that I will ever turn it on. But I do, I tell you what, I am optimistic for uh, Dropbox's infinite feature. I am a subscriber to Dropbox Pro features. I've got a terabyte on Dropbox storage, but I only have a 256 gigabyte SSD. So I'm kind of wondering what am I going to do with all that storage? The way that I kind of understood that Dropbox Infinite was going to work is that I could actually have folders that were only on the web and not sync to my Mac. I'm good with that. I want stuff that is only stored on the web and not sync to my Mac, but I don't want Dropbox and especially not Apple trying to figure that out for me. So if there could be like a way to FTP or upload or somehow put files in Dropbox, but not necessarily have them sync on the Mac and I control that, that I'm okay with. But having someone else try to figure that out for me, I don't want another person figuring that out for me and much less another AI or service figuring out that for me. 
Yeah, it's weird. I mean, there are definitely stuff that I, I, I'm okay with keeping in the cloud. Like I've migrated my photos to iCloud Photo Library. I mean, I've used iTunes Match for a super long time and try not to keep local copies of some a lot of my media files on my Macs. But I guess when it comes to documents, it feels much more uh, scary. Uh, and and Katie's right that the, the Apple's track record in this department is not great. I mean, I, I wrote a story many, many years ago about losing data on iDisk. Uh, you know, you want to go all the way back there. And it, in, some, in some ways, given your experience, Jason, it doesn't seem like it's changed tremendously. Um, it's hard to put a finger, though, on, you know, for me, exactly why Dropbox is I'm OK with storing a lot of stuff in Dropbox when I'm not OK storing the same stuff in iCloud. And, and I guess it comes down to two things, which are that track record, Dropbox, I really haven't had problems losing data on it, and just sort of implementation. There's something about Dropbox that feels very comforting because it's you drop stuff in a specific place in a folder, and it's still there, even though it is then synced other, you know, to other places and in the cloud. But to like relegate stuff to being in the cloud only seems very risky to me. There are a lot of cases still where you can go, you know, if you're on a plane or you're someplace else where you don't have fast or any data connectivity and you need something and your computer's decided that you don't need it. Like, I don't want to have to have that argument with my computer, even if it thinks it's trying to help me. Uh, and so I'm, I'm kind of with Katie in the sense that I don't really want another, you know, some sort of machine learning algorithm trying to figure out what I'm using and what I'm not using, I'm happy to have a place to designate where I can drop stuff if I want that stuff stored in the cloud. But for the moment, you know, turning that over to sort of an automatic system that thinks it knows what's it's what's best for me, uh, that's that's not, not a leap I'm prepared to take. And I, I can't think off the top of my head of what would actually change my mind on that. Yeah, I completely agree with you guys. This is solving a problem that I don't feel like I have. Um, I do most of my work on a 5K iMac and I have a terabyte drive in that and it is nowhere near filled. I have a network attached storage that I offload some of my bigger things to, like my photo library. Um, if I maybe got the MacBook adorable that I, that is so adorable that I really kind of want, but have zero reason to purchase, maybe then I would consider something along these lines. Uh, I concur, especially with Katie, that, that trusting Apple to do it is a bit dodgy. I would probably start with Dropbox first, but I, I want to be in charge of my own data and I want to be in charge of my own files. And I am also an iTunes match subscriber and I still treat my IMAX music library as the one true source of all of my music and all of my files and having it, having them all duplicated on Apple servers is certainly convenient, but I would never rely on that as the, as the only source of information. You guys uh, did a great job of covering this. You could say that we're all Mac Power users here, even though only one of us hosts a show that does that. But this is the thing about Apple's feature is there is no user interface for it. It just happens to you. And maybe there is a, a, a class of general user for whom it is actually perfect. Although I'm skeptical that there that anybody will use this feature and like not get on a plane sometime and discover that that file they were going to drag into their presentation is not locally available and they're on a plane and they can't get to the file. Um, I think that sort of thing will happen. What happened to me is that I had some audio files that were a couple of weeks old and leaving aside the fact that my hard drive had free space on it and didn't need anything to be deleted. What happened there? I don't even know. You know, th this was a case where it looked at it and said automatically, it was like, oh, that's an old big file. I'll just get rid of it and you can get it back later. And something like Dropbox Infinite, my impression, and, and this is something that Katie and Dan both talked about, that that's about me saying, I want to look at this folder and not have it stored locally. I want this stuff to be local and this stuff to not. I want this folder to always be kept locally, no matter what, and synced, but always kept locally. That level of control 
control where I decide what comes and goes, that I'm willing to participate and experience with a service like Dropbox, potentially. But what Apple's doing, for reasons of usability, is no interface. The computer decides everything. And my confidence in, it's not in in Apple's cloud services, it's my confidence in Apple's uh, ability to produce software that can make the decisions that fit with how I use my computer is not very high. So for me, I could envision a service, but it's got to have a lot of features that let me uh, put me in charge, not just a big switch that you can turn on on or off, which is what Apple's feature is. All right, uh, one topic down. Uh, Katie, what's your topic for us? So this week, everyone is excited about new iPhones, new iOS, and I do not have a new iPhone yet. I may get one. I'm still thinking about it. I, we all know that I probably will. But I'm curious, what features are you all still waiting for, either hardware or software, for your smartphone? And are you optimistic that we'll see them anytime soon, or is it just pie in the sky? You know, there's a lot of little things that I'd like here and there, but when I started thinking about what would be the sort of the major feature that I'd really like to see, it's it's honestly something in the line of, you know, a bendable, like, phone in terms of something that is... Uh, you know, has some sort of give to it in a way that if you sat down on it, you're not necessarily going to snap it in half. Well, I thought you got that two years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely bendable, but you can't really bend it back. That's the problem. Um, you know, I, I think that the idea as phones become more and more part of our lives, uh, and as we've seen this year with the iPhone 7, which is, of course, waterproof and and certainly dustproof to a certain degree, um, you know, people are going to take their phones everywhere. And that's going to lead to a lot of cases where you, you know, end up dropping your phone or breaking your phone or what have you. And so finding some way to make phones more durable and resilient, whether it be a combination of, uh, you know, glass that's less likely to shatter or, you know, something that is deformable and bends, you know, and gives a little bit when you, uh, you know, try to try to bend it or sit on it or drop it or whatever. I mean, I, I think that there is a lot of possibility there. Um, and, and it's tough because of the way, you know, the stuff primarily that we make phones out of that makes it a real challenge. But I think durability, even though it's it's not a, a sexy feature, like it's something that people are going to want because they don't want to replace their phones like every time they accidentally drop it onto the floor. So I, I'm really looking to see, you know, phones that are either sort of bendable or just much more durable in general. Yeah, I, I completely agree with the uh, the ruggedization of these things. And I do have an iPhone 7 now. And it's funny because I keep wanting so badly to like dip it on underwater on purpose or like spray water on it or something just because I can. But 30 some years of training that you never get water anywhere near electronics, I've, yep. I I can't bring myself to do it, which is kind of sad. Um, but I completely agree, particularly with regard to a, a better screen. You know, Gorilla Glass is a lot better than regular glass. I want like the super duper version of Gorilla Glass. I don't know, orangutan glass? I don't know what that would be. But in other <laughs> words, something, something where I could drop my phone and maybe there'll be an aesthetic ding on the outside, but I don't have to go... <gasps> And expect that my screen is shattered. Um, with regard to software, I would, a lot of things I just want to see work more reliably and or better. So I just upgraded to Sierra yesterday on my iMac and the unlocking with your Apple Watch. Super cool. It's only worked one out of the two times it could have so far, though. Oh, that's pretty good, yeah, Casey. 50%. 50%. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, and then the, the other problem I have with it is I am a fairly quick typist. I mean, I'm no Jason Snell, no, but well, I'm a pretty quick is? typist. Yeah, exactly. I, and I, I can. Yeah, <laughs> you are. No way. Uh, and so I, I can type my password quicker than the watch unlock works. And so I'd love to see the watch unlock get more reliable, get better, etc. And another thing that I'd love to see is more like uh, spatial or like uh, geographic awareness. So the 
uh, garage door opener that we're using. It's a long story, but the only way I can use it right now is through the MyQ little dongle thing that, that Katie has actually just gotten as well. And so basically this is like a, a proxy between the internet and your garage door opener. So you, you can ha- you have this app, you boop, boop, boop. Next thing you know, your garage door is going up and down. When I'm returning home, the iPhone should be aware that I want the garage door to open and just open it for me. Why is it not doing that already? Stuff like that, I think, would be really neat. Uh, for me, I think, um, yeah, shatterproof screens is a big part of it, right? Because that's now we figured we fixed the dropping it in the toilet problem, but we haven't fixed the dropping it on concrete problem. So you got to do that. I'd put glare in there too. Um, Ooh, most of mm-hmm. these phones are w- still way too glary and too hard to see in uh, in, in bright light, and uh, getting that finding you know a way a coating or whatever that really dramatically cuts down on the on the reflection so that it feels more like a Kindle or something like that where there's a lot less glare would be really nice and uh and then the other thing it's it's pretty simple but um i gotta mention it which is battery life which is being able to use your phone constantly all day long into the evening and not worry about running out of battery and we're not you know we're not close i think to that yet so we've made strides but we're not close yet well i am so pleased that none of you said a headphone jack so I think, <laughs> I think we're making progress towards acceptance here. I think for me, I still love a little bit smaller phone. I've got the 4.7 inch iPhone. And despite all the advancements with the, with the plus phones, I just can't bring myself to go to a bigger phone. And I think, you know, the rumors are we're going to get a big redesign next year on the iPhone 8 or whatever Apple decides to call it. And and maybe we'll see some advancements with that if we can get edge-to-edge glass. That'll make the bezel smaller, which can make the overall form factor of the phone smaller without, you know, really losing any physical real estate. But, you know, that also comes with trade-offs, too. And I think that's that's something that will just come with time. But, you know, as, as these pieces and parts get smaller, we're starting to see a, some in some ways less of a gap between uh, the, the smaller phone and the bigger phone, but in some ways more of a gap than ever, uh, you know, especially with the dual camera system and the bigger phone. But I just I never see myself joining the Plus Club. And uh, I'm very happy with my 4.7 inch phone and in many ways wish it was even a little bit smaller. Mm. But, you know, we'll see. So I think you all did a good job. I'm, I'm proud of you for, for not wanting to go back backwards with your iPhones, and uh, thank you for your answers. <laughs> I almost said a fold-out screen so that it's small in my pocket, but larger when I'm using it. <laughs> that would be cool, but I think impossible. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe know. not. Well, it'll be it'll work with your your bendable phone. My, yeah, yeah, my bendable, unrollable phone. Yeah, yeah. that's what we all that, want. That'll be the one. All right, that's two topics down. We have two topics left to go. It's halftime. Let me tell you about our halftime sponsor. This episode of Clockwise brought to you uh, as often actually by Linode, a combination of high performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world. It's a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in less than a minute, and plans start at just ten dollars a month, and that gets you two gigabytes of RAM on that server. You can choose your resources, choose your Linux distro, choose your node location. Where do you want your server to be physically located in the world? All from the web-based manager tool. And when you're up and running, you can deploy, boot, and resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. It's very easy. I have a Linode server. It it, I, it could not be easier to use to set up and to uh, to reboot and things like that. All from the web interface. Uh, all of Linode servers have industry-leading native SSD storage, powerful Intel E5 processors, and access to the super-fast 40 gigabit network for multiple levels of redundancy the great for running a git server or hosting a large database running a mail server operating powerful applications running your own website about technology stuff running a podcast network 
just saying these are things that you could do with a Linode server and that uh, native SSD storage. It's a super speedy too on that fast network. As a listener to Clockwise, you can sign up at linode.com slash clockwise, L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash clockwise. You will not just be supporting us. You'll also get $20 yourself toward any Linode plan. And there's a seven-day money-back guarantee, so there's nothing to lose. Give it a try. Go to linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or you can use the promo code clockwise20 at checkout to get the same deal. Thank you to Linode for operating my server and supporting Clockwise. All right, that's two topics down. Dan, it's your turn. Kick us off. So today, Google released its Allo messaging app, which it previewed back at Google I.O. earlier this year. Um, it launched with a, a few differences, including a little bit less in terms of privacy features than Google initially said. Um, it's also got this Google AI assistant where you can, you know, type text messages to it and have it answers queries. Uh, I'm curious, you know, to know if any of you are have tried this out or are interested in it or think it will basically go anywhere at all. Casey, what do you think? Uh, I have not tried it. Uh, if I have a compelling reason to, I will. I am a little creeped out by some of the privacy implications, particularly in the conversations that you do not mark as private. It's tough because with Google, on the one side, I admire so much of the things that they bring to the table. And I'm a, I am a devout Google Photos user. I love Google Photos. And some of the things they can do by just looking through my pictures are truly phenomenal. And this is a, another extension of that. But I don't know. I don't really necessarily want Google snooping in or listening in on most of my conversations. And I know it's an on-off switch, but am I really going to bother to flip it into incognito mode? I don't know. Um, Does that have a chance of catching on? We'll see. Um, I was really amped about Google Duo because my wife's side of the family is all on Android phones, and it's and it's convenient to have effectively FaceTime that's cross-platform. And so we have been able to talk to, say, uh, my wife's mom a couple of times uh, and, and let our little guy video chat with her. And that's all thanks to Google Duo. So it has potential to be kind of a cross-platform iMessage, but I have yet to hear particularly compelling reason for me to install it. It's got a chance to catch on because it's from Google and it's a platform vendor thing and all of that it gives Google a little bit of an advantage. But at the same time, the fact that all of the other services uh, have been getting their first and Google, uh, you know, Android users who want to uh, have a, a tool like this probably already have it. Apple uh, did a better job of getting, um, you know, uh, iMessage into its devices a little bit earlier to catch not the people who are super cool and using uh using wechat and uh and uh, snapchat and things like that but but older people and people who aren't that technical uh definitely uh, got a chance to use that so the google's a little bit behind there the security thing is a little bit disappointing but not not surprising and not because i think google has a great conspiracy where they're trying to spy on us but because i think google wants that data and keeping the data on the server allows them to to crunch it and do things with it for their intelligent agent service so i don't know it, it, it was not the most exciting like casey said i thought duo was a more interesting uh announcement actually than Allo was uh but i think it's ta- it's table stakes to have something like this and google didn't have it and now they do and so it's i think it's good for google even if it's never going to be something that's uh super dominant I guess I feel a little bit like the curmudgeon with with all of this. I wasn't super excited about all of the new messaging features in iOS 10. Maybe I just missed the the messaging craze uh, with text messages. 
Um, and I, I don't really get a lot of these third-party messaging services. I, I know nobody and interact with no one, I guess, outside of you all. And if you want to consider Slack a third-party <laughs> messaging service, um, who who use these messaging services. I don't use them regularly. And I could just never get into them. And I, I, I can't help but feel that at some point, many of these messaging services are going to have to converge. We, we just can't have them so scattered. I mean, okay, are, are you my friend that talks in WhatsApp or, or one of these others? And, and and I'm, I'm sure I'm using incorrect terminology here because I'm, I'm just not familiar with the services. So do we really need another messaging platform? Uh, I, I don't know. So again, I'm, I, I think I'm the convergent here. Does it have a chance of, of catching on? Yes, because it's Google. But I, I also think that Google tends to be a little finicky towards these, these things. How many services has Google have that have come and, and go? And, and if Google doesn't like it, or if it doesn't seem to catch on, or if it's not something that they've been particularly interested in, you know, they'll just shut it down. Yeah, I have used it a little bit this morning. Um, and I think I, I guess I, I also can't quite find the compelling uh, use case for it either yet. Um, Jason, to your point that they haven't had anything like this before, I kind of feel like they've had a lot of different messaging services. Well, they just I, you can't could put it that way, one. right? That's, I mean, that's they had true. Hangouts, right, which also seemed to support some of this stuff and, and interface with GChat and the like. Uh, I think some of the trick here, especially for iOS users, is going to be like adoption of another messaging platform when, you know, iMessage already works really well for, you know, both uh, iOS users as well as just falling back to SMS for other, you know, other texting uses. And there are all the all these other third-party platforms. So I, I, it's nice that it's on iOS and it's class cross-platform. Um, I don't think personally I, I'm going to end up using that much. I tried using the Assistant this morning a bit, which is sort of one of the more compelling things, uh, arguably, or like the different features in there. But I, I really just couldn't figure out why I wouldn't do a Google search for all these things because that's all it seems to really be doing is feeding me answers from Google. So I, I find myself kind of puzzled by this this product. I'm, you know, certainly it is from Google, and that means they have a lot of weight to throw behind it. Um, but you know, getting people to adopt a new service is, is an uphill climb, especially for something as central as messaging seems to be on technology platforms these days. So uh, I'll keep an eye on it, but I, I don't have a lot of hope that it's going to be sort of the next big thing. But thank you all for your uh, input on that topic. And our last topic from today comes from Casey. So some of us got new toys recently. Unfortunately, it sounds like everyone but Katie. Sorry, Katie. But um, what's the unsung hero of your new toy? You know, what's the thing that maybe isn't the headline feature, but the thing that you're most amped up about? I got it. It's really dumb, but um, the je- <laughs> what a what a way to sell it, right? Uh, the, the, <laughs> they weren't they weren't last year when the 6s came out, the iPhone 6s. People talked about how they thought that they were grippier than the six and. And that was not my experience at all. I found that they were very similar in terms of the grippiness and that maybe there was some some texture differences from model to model or color to color. But I will tell you, the jet black iPhone 6 or iPhone 7 is definitely uh, grippier to the point where I am not using a case on my iPhone for the first time in two years. And it's a little thing, but it makes that phone that much uh, thinner and lighter and uh, pleasurable to hold. So although texture is not usually what we think of when we think of new technology toys, I got to say, I think it's the the texture and holdability of that, of that device that um, I'm loving. I'll tell you, Jason, that's actually one of the reasons I'm seriously considering getting a new iPhone 7 is because I desperately want to be able to use my iPhone without a case again. I don't like using my iPhone without a case, but those micro abrasions scare me too. Yeah. So we'll, 
We'll see. Uh, another probably unsung reason that I'm thinking about upgrading is just I'm finding I, I still have a six. So I'm, I'm a couple of generations back because of the, the old plan that I'm now just coming off of. And um, I'm finding a lot of the features aren't available on the six, mainly touch ID. And so there's a lot of stuff, especially now with iOS 10, that, you know, my six still works fine. I'm not having any problems with it. But I can't do a lot of the cool new things that uh, all the cool kids can do with their successes and sevens. So um, for me, that's that's really one of the most appealing reasons about upgrading. Um, having had an iPhone 7 for a few days now, the things I really like, but I actually really like the, I have a matte black one, which is probably not as shiny and grippy as the jet black one, but it's still pretty nice. <laughs> definitely not. Like the, definitely the, not, Dan. Yeah, yeah. Keep telling yourself that. It's it's definitely a nice upgrade <laughs> from the space gray. Um, I, I really, it is a very attractive phone, no question about it. Um, I think that the improvements in battery life, I, I, I was never sure. I, I felt like my success had some battery wonky issues because it kept running down really fast in the last several months. So, you know, switching to a seven feels like, I don't know if it's just that the sevens, you know, slightly larger battery and better power management stuff makes a big difference. Or if it's just that, that this battery actually is not defective, but it feels really nice. Um, and you know what? I've kind of come around on the, uh, on the touch, uh, the force touch home button it's really weird but like you know it's clearly not a button but i've kind of it's grown on me over the last several days so i i didn't hate it as much as it sounded like i i felt i might so basically take everything dan just said and just repeat all that because i completely (laughs) i completely agree um to be slightly different though i will say that my um my number one unsung hero of the new iphone 7 is the much louder speakers Mm -hmm. i don't listen to music on the iphone terribly often at all but i do listen to podcasts somewhat regularly directly off the iphone using the onboard speakers and having considerably louder speakers is magical i love being able to say brush my teeth and actually be able to hear what I'm trying to listen to rather than having to hold the phone up to my ear in order to get enough volume so I can actually tell what people are saying. So I'm really, really enjoying the louder speakers. Uh, but again, everything Dan said, couldn't agree more. And the more I look at this this matte black one, maybe not as grippy as Jason's, but whew, this one's pretty. Checks in the mail, Casey. <laughs> now I have this picture of Casey brushing his teeth, holding his phone up with one hand to his ear, trying desperately to listen to his podcast. I, it's okay to pause him it's for true. just a few minutes while you brush your no, teeth, man. It's all right. No, but then it's so quiet. Uh, well, that's all four of our topics. Jason, do we have just enough time for a bonus topic today? We do. And in fact, we also have just enough time for a sponsor for the bonus topic. The bonus topic this week brought to you by the good people at Mac Weldon. Quite frankly, Mac Weldon is making t-shirts, socks, undershirts, hoodies, underpants, sweatpants, things that are better than whatever those are that you're wearing right now. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm judging you. I'm sorry. Mac Weldon is judging you a little bit, but they can also help you because you can go to MacWeldon.com and check out their online shopping experience, which is great. It's super easy to buy. Beautiful things. I have stripy socks from Mac Weldon. I love the stripy socks. Uh, they've got the the silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, so they don't smell uh, because of the power of science. And uh, they want you to be comfortable, and that includes not just wearing their clothes, but also being comfortable trying out their online store. If you don't like the first pair of whatever you order at Mac Weldon, you keep it. They'll still refund you. No questions asked. 
Not only do Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they perform well whether you're working out or going out on a date or just living your life. And listeners to Clockwise who got to the bonus question, you know what you get? 20% off at Mack Weldon. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Just use the code Clockwise. That'll Then they'll know that you listen to Clockwise and you get the great deal. Uh, I have their socks and their underwear and it's really good stuff. So you should check it out on MacWeldon.com. Thank you, Mack Weldon, for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. And with that business done, I will ask you a very quick bonus topic. Uh, we touched on it briefly, but I'm going to bring it back around. Do you put your phone or other technology, I suppose, in a case or do you prefer to use it on natural? Katie? I prefer to use it caseless, but ever since the Super Slippery 6, I've been using the Apple leather case. Dan? Uh, you know what? I also used to like being caseless, but with the six, uh, I started using just a silicone case. And then this time around, I got the Apple silicone case, which is surprisingly nice. Mm -hmm. Casey. So ever since the five S I believe I used the Apple leather case, um, with the new Apple care setup such that a screen replacement is quote unquote, only $30 caseless is now caseless. And I am rocking my seven. <laughs> that joke will never get old kids. I'm rocking my seven without a case and we'll see how long it goes until I drop it and shatter it and hate my life. But, uh, so far going on natural. So Casey is not so Casey right now. <laughs> For me, I am exactly like Katie. I never wore a case it was always the naked robotic core for me until uh Ding. the si slippery six old slippery six and with the seven and jet black i am now caseless again uh i always prefer without a case but i enjoyed that leather case for a couple of years but happy to be back without a case and that's it. That wraps it up. That's all of Clockwise for today. Uh, just remains for us to thank our guests for being here. Katie Floyd, thank you so much for being on Clockwise again. My pleasure. And Casey Liss, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's always a blast. Thanks, guys. All right, Dan, we did it. We'll be back next week for more. I don't know what that will be in binary, but I could uh I, I was hoping you had that out. at the top of your head there. Yeah, well, I don't. <laughs> that's right. I don't speak binary. It's I have to. Well, Jason may not be a robot after all. I might not be. It's true. But until we return... Uh, and increment the counter by one. Let's <laughs> see. Uh, we remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.